Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 446 of the JV Club with my wonderful guest, Lexi Henning. You will hear the full story of how I came to know uh, Lexi and about all of her wonderful work as you listen to the episode. She is currently in grad school in Athens. And I have to say, that's just the tip of the iceberg of what makes her so important and wonderful and special. So I hope very much that you'll enjoy this episode. I also hope that everyone had a very nice Thanksgiving or Indigenous Peoples holiday or any kind of holiday you want to consider the last few days of last week. I hope you are well and safe. And I hope to see some of you in person safely at SF Sketchfest in January. If you want more information on the lineup, you can go to sfsketchfest.com. And I feel certain there will be at least one show you get excited about. All right. Talk to you next week. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you going to school? Yeah, uh, I'm doing an MA program here at the University of Athens in Athens, Greece. So, yay, like for living abroad. Um, Yeah. So what is time, though? It's it's so weird because it's like I'm living in Greece and everything I'm doing is here. But most of my communications back home with friends, family, like work, business stuff, it's all back in the U.S. So I'm yeah. constantly like staying up to weird hours. I'm up sure. to like 3 a.m. trying to like communicate with people because things need to get done. And so I have no concept of time. So it's like, yeah, I'm in this weird bubble of I'm living in Greece, but I'm also like not actually sort of living in Greece. I'm existing yeah. in multiple time dimensions. That I mean, that is I feel like that's. A, something that many of us can relate to just through COVID and sort of finding out what it feels like to be living in some kind of virtual space, um, which even as Mark Zuckerberg is, and I think most of us feel this way, like even as he's like, the metaverse, guys, I'm going to build this amazing. Everyone's like, I think I'm good. Like, I'd like to be. I'd like to see more people. I'd like to maybe feel a little bit less like I'm living in a computer. Um, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. But yeah, the 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 feeling of being sort of in between two places, or at least it feeling kind of surreal, even though technically you are in this one place. Like I totally understand that. And it's hard because you wanna feel like you're getting the full experience, I'm sure, of being there, and yet you keep having to kind of adjust backwards as if you were not there <laughs> for, for yeah. certain things. Yeah, it's it's tough. You know, uh, my advice would be don't try to like start a business and then go across the sea <sighs> to a yeah. rigorous MA program like the very next year because <laughs> it's not like great on the yeah. schedule and just keeping things together. So, yeah. yeah. And so people know what's the business that you started. Uh, So I started the Ozymandias Project. It is basically, it all stems from my background because I got my BA in classics, classical studies from the University of Missouri. And so I went right from studying the ancient world into politics right out of college uh, because I worked some campaigns and then landed a job working for state government in Illinois, where I'm from. And I was, I, it it was like the most organic thing. I was just kind of like bitching to one of my friends about how I didn't like do enough with the ancient world, ancient studies. And I just felt like I wasn't using my degree in any meaningful way. And I was just like, this is horrible. So he was like, oh, well, 
you seem to have great conversations, like you have passion. Have you ever thought about like doing anything with that? And I was like, no, not really. Um, so the business actually started as my podcast, Ancient Office Hours, um, which I did I just, when it was still called the Ozymandias, when it itself was going under the name Ozymandias Project. Yeah, a lot of changes. I mean, we just hit our like one year anniversary of existence. And so nice. we wanted to get the name change out early. So we did it at like six months. And so I'm constantly trying to remember like, wait, who knew it as the old one? Uh-huh. Who knows, <laughs> like, who knows the new thing? Yeah. But yes, the new name is Ancient Office Hours. But yeah, it started as the podcast because I was just like noticing I was having great conversations like with professors in office hours when I was in college. And I really wanted to give people a sense of kind of what that felt like, especially if they didn't take advantage. And believe me, so many people don't take advantage of their office hours. And I was like, this is a shame. And I want to teach people like it's a time not just for like getting extra help on school stuff. It's like you can just go chill and talk to your professors as like chill people and get to know them. And, you know, if you're lucky, maybe they'll invite you to dinner or something. Yeah. So, yeah, I just I started doing the podcast and then I had a business-minded friend because uh, I'm I'm bad at math and I don't do business things so I, was, I never would have thought of it but he was like hey you know are there other projects you might want to do to like that stem off of this and I was like yeah actually you know I'm big into like the archaeology of gaming and video games and this that and the other thing and so he basically just was like all right we're gonna put all your ideas in one doc and then he's like I'm gonna help you make a business out of it and let's just see what it does. So I was like, okay, you take lead. I don't know what to do. I'm just going <laughs> to podcast over here. I was like, you do it. I'm going Which, to Greece. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it was the craziest thing thinking about it. And I'm so glad my friend is wonderful and trustworthy. And I love him because later, like my friends were like, you know, that's that's how people take advantage of you. Steal your money right. and like run right. away right. <laughs> when you just right. say do it all yourself and I'll just attach right. my name to it. I was right. like, I didn't think about that. So, <laughs> so happy. Shout out to Dan for not, you know, stealing my money or my ideas. Major but. shout out to Dan. Yeah. I mean, those collaborations and I'm sure, you know, I know you've listened to my podcast. So, you know that like that stuff you either find it out at a very early age because you sort of hang on to Because when we're kids, you know, even those of us who are only children, like there's still plenty of socializing that happens at school or, you know, after school or whatever. But and so even somebody that spends a lot of time alone, I feel like and in school, like being assigned group projects and stuff. But that doesn't always carry over into your adult life. You sort of like some people carry that with them and totally understand that collaboration is huge and shared responsibility and like group think in a good way. And, you know, all of that kind of stuff is something that you really want to to use and lean hard on. And then others of us feel like, oh, that time is over. Now it's me against the world or, you know, I have to be able to do everything myself or, you know, I'm going to work for an organization, but that's going to be my job. That's not necessarily, you know, the place where my best ideas are going to go and all of that. And so, how cool to have somebody who, you know, you recognize that, he recognizes that, and everybody's kind of playing to their strengths. So I hope it just, you know, becomes whatever you want it to. I hope so, too. That's that's the goal. I mean, going into year two, we have a lot of cool projects. Like today, in fact, we just announced uh, our publishing arm. So we intend to publish uh, kind of what we hope will become like a digital magazine of submissions from people both within 
academia and outside of it, but if they're inspired by mythology or the ancient world, we were like, okay, just kind of like submit stuff and we want to publish it and, you know, get your valuable thoughts out there because I had, I have like the most interesting Twitter conversations because classics Twitter is like a thing. Uh And that's where all the classicists are. They're on like no other social media. You can't find them except on Twitter. So if you want to like be in the community, it sucks because you have to be on Twitter. Uh But like I found so many great people and such a like welcoming community there. And several people were approaching me and they were like, oh yeah, you know, I want to do this Arceo gaming thing, but there's no outlet. Academia sucks sometimes. It's hard. And so I was like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's like a, a, a place or a way to you know, get valuable thoughts out there. And this hmm. is coming from academics. But then I was noticing since I'm also on like gamers Twitter, since, you know, I play video games. Yeah. I noticed like game devs were on there and a few that I'm friends with, they were like, yeah, you know, I think we could use our technology to do so much, but like people don't know this is like an avenue they can do. So I was like, oh, I'm going to connect this. So I just like talked to a friend of mine and I was like, hey, you do gaming stuff, but you don't know ancient world stuff. I'm like, what if you publish a thing as a gamer and just say, we have the technology. Have you historians thought about using it to like digital recreations of the ancient world? Like use it to do stuff. And so they were like, oh my God. So that's what I'm hoping. I hope. Oh, I love that. I love the idea of putting those those things together. And it is such a no-brainer, right? I mean, even just like in my limited experience, neither being into ancient worlds in an academic way nor being a gamer, like ha- even just having an Oculus and recognizing how exciting it is to Im- just immerse yourself in this totally different place. Like that's, it seems like, again, such a no-brainer, not something I would think of. Yet, of course, of course, that's something that should be explored and exploited in the good sense of exploit. Um, so so that I mean, I think that's all amazing. I would love to to rewind a little further so that we can dig in a little bit to this young woman in Illinois who is a teenager in high school and uh, may or may not have started gaming and being interested in the ancient classics uh, at that age where uh, you, you mentioned before, but you grew up in Illinois. Where in Illinois? Just say again. Yep, I'm from Chicago. From straight up Chicago, not a suburb of Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. Yes, we have to make that very clear, uh, especially since we're very territorial about, you know, claiming Chicago. So, yes, no, I had friends all through college. I went to the University of Missouri. So I had friends be like, I'm from Chicago and then be like, oh, my God, you're one of us. Where? And then my friend was like. Oh, um, technically I'm from Rockford. I'm like, uh-huh. just say you're basically from Wisconsin. Like, come on, man. Seriously. So, yes. Yep. Yep. What's your familial structure like? This is stuff that I, some of that I definitely know about you, but nobody else does. Possibly that's listening to this except for people who already know you. Definitely. Um, so I was actually adopted from China at like... Uh, six or nine months old I always actually forget because lol child Uh but I was adopted from China so my family is like you know I think pretty conventionally unconventional like most people's uh, families so uh, my parents actually had quite an age gap between them so I think it was like 14 years Um, and so my dad had been married once and so I had ostensibly three older sisters but like the age gap was so much older that they just felt like aunts at mm-hmm. this point. I mean, 
my oldest nephew is literally nine months younger than I am. Yeah. Which, so I'm <laughs> One like, of those. all right, then. Yeah. yeah. So I have three older sisters, half sisters, technically. Um, yeah. And, and so, so the, and the, were they even in the house when you were growing up, like in a meaningful way that you had interactions with them? No, unfortunately, because when my parents got married, the youngest of the three was basically going off to college. Yeah. So I was like, all right, yeah, nope. <laughs> why did your, not to make you again tell your parents' story, but why did you, why did they decide after they had had the, you know, why did, when your dad remarried and your mom and he got together, what was that? Did they have like a, it, was that always a plan? Like, we know that we want to adopt a little Chinese girl because I definitely have friends who that was a very, clear feeling like they just had this feeling very strongly in exploring their different options of becoming parents like that happened to be something that drew several friends of mine actually yeah so my mom was uh on the I mean she wasn't like old or anything let me just say uh -huh. but <laughs> she was older because she'd kind of just like waited and waited and waited for what felt right and then so by the time that they got together it's my mom's first and at this point, only marriage. And she was already like 38. So, you know, just with like freaking female body clocks being right. set the way they are. She definitely wanted to have her own kids because that was just kind of like what her family looked like. So that's what she knew. So after years and years of just like trying and nothing working, they were kind of like, well, I guess we could explore adoption. So they didn't actually know China was the one. They just started looking at all the countries that would allow international adoption. And... Because of their ages, though, they were, like, aged out of a lot of the programs. Hmm. So they were like, sorry, you're too old. You cannot actually come here and get a kid. Uh, so China was just kind of, like, the lucky one that said, yeah, we don't care how old you are. Sure. Uh -huh. You can prove <laughs> the stuff. Come here. So, yeah. Um, so my mom likes to say that she was, like, after they settled on China, she was just, like, Oh, I immediately got it in my head. I wanted this beautiful little Chinese girl. That's it. That's all I wanted. That's all I dreamt of. She's like, I don't even know what you look like. But she's like, I just knew I wanted a little Chinese girl. And I'm like, oh, that's sweet. I don't know if you're saying that because you just know me now and love me or if like that was legitimately what she was thinking. So Right. I, well, I feel like we all have those questions that we ask ourselves, whether they're at the top of mind or it's just sort of back there somewhere when our parents tell us our own origin stories. I think I've thought the exact same thing about my dad, because like he didn't think he wanted kids. And then my mom sort of talked him into it. And so he has his fairy tale version of what that meant. And, you know, it's like it, it feels always like, is it an oversimplification or is it your your pheromones and your like your your just genetics like calling out like, you know, because, of course, he's like, and then as soon as I saw you, I'm like, dude, we've all seen newborn babies. Come on. As soon as you saw me, really, as soon as you saw me. You know, everything changed. And so we whether we have whether our parents are our natural parents or not, uh, sometimes you ask yourself those questions. But it's definitely more uncommon, a little bit different for an adopted kid. Right. To sort of like what was your experience with your origin story? Like, did you sort of remember being told stuff or was it like in the DNA of your tiniest memories? So my parents, and thank God for this, but um, my parents were definitely 
on the like the side of we don't want to like keep it from her because I've had like adopted friends whose parents went the opposite route and tried to like yeah. hide it and never wanted to talk about the like how they were adopted because it would make them seem different and they were like no right. it's all about like bringing them in but wait is but, the, are those predominantly like are your parents white are your parents Asian are your parents so my parents are white yes yeah I, so yes, like that's I guess that's white. harder than if you're <laughs> than if like it's two blonde parents who end up with a blonde child somehow you know, you would think that it's obvious, but I did actually meet someone along the way who was adopted by two white parents and they just never talked about her being adopted wow. and tried to yeah. just kind of make it seem like not a big deal that she looked a little different. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I was like, okay, interesting Amazing. tactic. Yeah. Not my parents. So yeah. no, mine, mine were really good about, I mean- they weren't going to offer me a bunch of like info that I wasn't ready for at any point in my life. So they took this really nice tack where if they basically told me what I needed to know, the important stuff. And then if I asked for more, they would offer that information. And so I got to kind of grow up in this like space of, I was told, you know, you're adopted, but you know, you're still part of the family. Blood does not matter at all. Like, seriously, we don't care. And so growing up when I was younger, that's all the reassurance I really needed. I mean, I didn't know any better. So I was like, okay, whatever. Um, Sure, fine. Whatever that means. So I didn't really gain awareness, though, until I felt like probably like middle school-ish when it really started to become apparent when, you know, kids start asking the the uncomfortable questions where you're like the, you look different. Where are you from? Wait, who's your like real parents? And then like all those like really awkward questions that you're like, I've been avoiding this for the first like 12 years of my life. Yeah. I could have, you know, avoided it a little longer, but here we are. Yeah. So, you know, the one thing I always was told was, I knew from my parents kind of like the story of the actual adoption story, which is something I I can't speak for all adopted kids, but for the ones in my orbit, we all seem to have been told a very similar story. Hmm. So I don't know how unique it is, but, you know, the basic is really just my parents said that uh, my Chinese parents left me on the like front steps of like in front of the gate of this orphanage and I was wrapped up in like blankets and I had like a note kind of pinned to me that had my name and my birthday Mm. and that the night guard found me and then I was like put in the orphanage. So, you know, I was kind of like, okay, I don't know what, you know, a eight year old child does with that information other than go, I have a fun story if anyone yeah. wants to hear it. Like, cool. Yeah, it's true. Like, it doesn't, how, where, when do things mean what they mean to us as kids? Like, it's hard to process stuff. I mean, even just remembering, like, my, my, my understanding or my relationship to when my first grandparent died was so different in the time it took for me to get, you know, 15 years older, 20 years older to to experience my last, my final grandparents' death. Um, and, and you know what I mean? Like, so it's just as a kid, like the way you process information that you weren't there for. It's one thing if you experience it. And even that is like, uh, you know, hard to know when you're going to feel what and what it's going to feel like existentially. But then to have it be a story that you were not, you have no memory of. It's just a story. It's like, how do you untangle that from all the other stories 
that maybe you're not at the center of that also feel like fairy tales in a sense. Like, I mean, I would yeah. guess as an eight-year-old kid, like your relationship is not like, well, having spent a lot of time in China in the, t- you know, and having been to orphanages and knowing what it looks like when that happens, like you're all of it is sort of you're using your imagination, right? It's it, yeah, it, it puts you in a really weird space. But also, interestingly enough, like coming back to it, because because like growing up, you hear and you just kind of internalize it as just another story that your parents might tell you. And then you know, when you get older and then you start to come back to it, it's almost like excavating. It's it's honestly mm. like training you into being a historian, like of your own volition, because then you're like, oh, it's like layers of archaeology. Wait, I've got to like dig back through this and I've got to sure. like figure out what is the story. Like, yes, it's it's, it's quite exciting. But it uh, I mean, for some people, I, I know people who are like basically my age who still who were adopted and they still don't really want to deal with that. So they haven't gone through that journey. I was lucky enough that I kind of hit that in high school actually, but, but more into college. It started at the end of high school and then it was really into college where I really was like, okay, I'm going to sit and I'm going to start to unpack this in a way that feels more historical because there's like proof. I can read things. I can look at things and not be told about them. So that made for a really different experience for me, at least. But it definitely causes like certain issues because like middle school, like end of middle school, early high school, I definitely had a really complicated relationship with like my own adoption story. Yeah. Um, there was like a solid period where I did not want to own it. And I just could not make myself think positively about like China or Chinese culture or people for whatever reason. And it was definitely not like a, I hate Chinese people or whatever, but almost like as a defense mechanism, I I had to kind of be like, well, you know, and this is in like the most simplified, horrible way. But like the short answer of it was I had to tell myself like, I am here because China essentially just didn't want me. They threw girls out like, you know, yesterday's trash left and right. And I was like, I can't, just like handle that yeah, thought. Yeah, that's a so I was lot. Like, no. That's a lot. That's a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of complicated for as an American, which a hugely flawed nation, like no arguments there. And everything looks worse from the outside when you're looking at the negatives of a country, right? I mean, from the inside, we can sort of justify it or like shove it away or we can vote against it or we can do whatever we can do. But we also are inside it. And so we have a totally different perspective than being on the outside of something. And so the way that the U.S. views China in the sort of, again, clumsiest, most over umbrella bearing, like, how does it best suit the government to describe China? How does it best suit business? All of these things that have these loud, impersonal voices are often the ones that are telling us the most about places that we've never been or, you know, many of us have never been and foreign countries and and what their beliefs are or what they're. So, I mean, it's tough for, for anybody. And then when you put on top of that, the relationship to your own birth story and how you process those emotions and stuff like that is a lot. That is a lot, girl. Yeah, you should man. be very proud of yourself for the kind of journey. And I know the journey is like very woo woo word in some context, but like. 
good on you, you know, and I, I really appreciate you sharing this because I think it's so important. And and I think definitely, especially in this time now, you know, it. I would say that I went through this whole journey kind of, as I said, like at the end of high school into college and like that was helpful, but it didn't really mean a lot. And then actually I kind of like was like, oh, I feel like I've unpacked it enough. I'm fine. I'm, I'm confident. And then I'd like put it away in a box. And then I was like, okay, maybe I come back to it. Maybe I don't. And then surprisingly, because of the pandemic and then because of Trump and everyone blaming China and, you know, even being in a big liberal city like Chicago, I was definitely not immune to like looks and like, you know, the whispers. Every (laughs) every non-Caucasian race like gets its turn or like, you know, it just like. There's, we've all we're always finding ways to like other somebody, and then if you happen to be like you're going to get othered within your own community. I mean, it's just bonkers. Yeah. So I mean, it came back with a vengeance for sure, and like because of the renewed focus on China, and then the trade wars with China, and like all the other geopolitical crap that was happening, just made it like not really fantastic to be Asian, and then. I like thought I was like feeling that alone and I was like, oh, you know, I, I guess, you know, I'm kind of like a shit. Like when I would go out of my house, you know, the dark shades, the like the mask and even like the stuff, just the, the cap. So you couldn't tell oh, just because I was like, I don't want to invite anything because I had a yeah an Asian friend in New York get like spit on in the MTA. And I was like, oh, OK, I don't so want to do that. Crazy! <laughs> okay, sorry, yeah, no, it's so crazy. Yeah, no, it's yeah, no, it's it's insane. And like. <sighs> You know, I had a friend get verbally assaulted. And so I was like, I was hearing all this stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm just not even going to deal with that. And then I learned it was more important than ever, though, to like take back this idea of my Asian heritage is not a weakness. I should not be ashamed of it. And so actually, in the first few months of the pandemic, it was probably the most like empowering, inspiring points Mm. of all of the pandemic because I made the active choice to take out this box with my like identity. And then oh, let's see, I got goosebumps. And then like my friend was like, oh, you're like going to get into Chinese culture. And I was like, yeah, I'm like and I'm going to do more than just the surface level stuff. I'm like, no, I'm going to actually explore it. And so she knows I love like worldly music from different countries. I don't care if it's in English. And so she was like, hey, have you ever listened to Mando Pop? And I was like, uh, no, because I just that's not something that I would have thought about ever. Um, and so yeah. she was like, check out these like artists. You, you might like that. Let me tell you, I got so into like two or three <gasps> artists that like for a solid month, my mom was like, I think it's amazing you're getting back into like Chinese culture. She's just uh-huh. like, can you please play something else though? Because you're listening to the <laughs> same three people. And she's like, oh my gosh, I hear it all the time. So I was like, okay. That's amazing. Right. But that's amazing. it was definitely, that was like my, my big sort of, okay, I'm taking this back. And yeah. I've never like felt prouder. And at the same time, I like had a friend in China that I would talk to almost like on a daily basis. We would text for literally like seven hours through the night. I would like sort of look at the clock and be like, oh, my God, it's like 5 a.m. Have we been texting literally since 10 p.m. the last night? Yes. yes. So, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it was just great to connect. And um, it's funny. The only thing I didn't really do was, you know, go back and and find rediscovery passion to learn mandarin 
Uh, my yeah. mom always wanted me to learn because she thought it would connect me to China. And so she right. put me in like Mandarin classes when I was in high school. And she hoped right around the time that you maybe weren't in a yeah. place where that was going to do what it and I wanted it. And I feel bad because I like scared myself out of it because it was like my mom would tell me that like my teachers apparently told her that I was one of the best in the class because I got it. I had a really good ear for language, but that's probably because I grew up bilingual in English and French. So like I just like have an ear for language. And I guess I like I wouldn't allow myself to like just sort of go with the compliment. And I would just say, no, I'm terrible at Chinese. No, 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 I can't do it. Yeah. It's a tonal language. I speak it like shit. Everything's flat. Yeah. This this is not working. And I like convinced yeah. myself I couldn't learn Mandarin to the point then I could not. Like I basically created a mental block for myself. But And and I know that you say you feel bad about it, and but I hope that you don't like core deep feel bad about it because... As yeah. we've established, and I'm not your therapist, I just made it sound like I was. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. You know what? Everyone, everyone in the world can be my therapist. Give me, give me all the advice. I'm good. No, but you know, there's it. Just like, of course, of of course, and that is not your fault, and it's not anybody's fault. It's just like where you were at that point, and we do things when we're ready, and we do things. We actively do things when we're not ready to make sure we aren't ready. And then we passively do things when we're not ready. Do you know what I mean? Like there's all these different ways. It's amazing how active we can be at not doing something. (laughs) Oh, for sure. All the time. (laughs) Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Hello! I'm Pee Wee Herman. You might know me from TV, but I really want to be a DJ. It took some convincing, but KCRW finally agreed to give me an hour on the radio to play you some music with my friends. (laughs) Anyway, tune in for one hour of the bestest, most funnest time you'll ever have on the Pee Wee Herman Radio Hour. I am personally inviting you to tune your transistor radio in to hear me or go to kcrw.com. Duh. (laughs) It'll be available for the whole week from November 26th to December 3rd. So you can listen to it again and again and again and again and again. The Pee-wee Herman Radio Hour was produced by Maximum Fun and can be streamed on KCRW.com until December 3rd. As you've had this continuing relationship with, you know, Chinese culture and your own history, a couple of things really struck me as you were saying that, of course, the most kind of on the surface, like, Janet, you're not going to win any Nobel Prizes for putting this together. But, you know, having had the passion and the interest that you have and having explored, you know, the history of other ancient cultures, you know, you do have a different tool set uh, for kind of understanding and appreciating and and kind of parsing through um, all these different levels of of your own history, uh, which you said already. Um, And also, I just love, you know, your own story again it's something that is shared for all of us like all, all yours is more 
unusual and kind of unique and in my opinion special because of where you're from but we do all have those like I've had to like revisit stories that I have been told about my own history or you know my own like half religious you know half my family side of it like that stuff that you just kind of come back to at different ages and it's funny because I always think about that when people talk about Avatar you know because I've been doing this podcast with Dante Bosco um and so often we end up talking about how people grew up on it. And then when they come back to it, they're like, wait a minute, like there's all of this stuff I didn't even see was there when I was six. Uh, and so not to minimize it and make it like a TV show, but if anything, obviously to sort of like, you know, maximize like something like Avatar or other things that we love that have all these layers. That's like part of the journey, too. Right. It isn't that we. We think that when we're younger that we'll process things as we go and then those things stay behind. Like, solve that. Okay, lock that up. Solve this next thing. Cool. It's like I'm cleaning house. This is great. At the end, I'll just have a big empty room and that's heaven or whatever. In fact, it's like, no, that stuff is all around you all the time. And it's good to go back and open that box again and say, it, none of this material inside is going to be the same, even if it's the same, because I'm not the same. Well, and it's interesting. So so I love that you did actually bring up Avatar. I was like, I was like, okay, try not to do it. Try not to do it. But I was like, <laughs> you open the door. So I'm like, no, I, I have mean, to. it's helpful that it does honor Asian culture uh, as well. So it's it's a very nice serendipitous thing. There. So I'm like, okay, I'm entitled. So I the, the thing I Fully. will say is Avatar does actually feature quite heavily into my own journey with my identity because Fun little story. The original Avatar show came out in 2005, and I have a very clear memory of coming home with a friend who lived like two, three blocks away from me. And we were in her kitchen eating Go-Gurts. I know those were things, but like <laughs> Go-Gurts. And we were just like trying to think, okay, like what are we going to go watch? Because she had this like really cool basement projector. And so we were like, yeah, after school, we just want to go watch movies. And her kitchen TV, for whatever reason, was on. And we were about to turn it off when I heard this, like, you know, standard commercial voice going, like, stay tuned. Or And now, the world premiere of Avatar, The Last Airbender. And I was like, you know, do you mind if we just sit in the kitchen? Because I think this thing, thing, it sounds really cool. And I don't even know what it yeah. is. And yeah. so she was just like, oh, uh, sure, let's do it. So I remember... We sat on her kitchen stool eating our Go-Gurts and we watched the first episode ever for the like Ugh. world premiere on TV. Oh my gosh. And that memory is stuck with me because awesome. it made such an impact. And they did the cool thing where they do like the first two episodes since they're so yeah. short. So yeah, yeah, they were like, so we watched the first two together and I could not get it out of my head. And that was the first time that I really positively wanted to acknowledge that like this thing is based on like Asian culture but it's really cool um and I was yeah. such a tomboy growing up that I was like bending is like the coolest thing ever holy crap wait can I I wish I could do that so um that was like the only thing that was distinctly Asian that I wanted to own when I was that mm. age because you know yeah like fifth grade you're like 10 years old so I was definitely not anywhere near being able to really deal with being Asian so yeah it's just I, I rejected everything everything 
about Asian culture yeah. back then, except I wanted to own Avatar because when I talked to my friends about Avatar who also had started watching it, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I look like them. That's me. <laughs> um, you know, I'd be like an earthbender, airbender, whatever. <laughs> and they were just like, where is this coming from? You don't talk about anything Asian. And I'm like, they're like, you can't just pick and choose. I'm like, yeah, I can. Cause this yeah, is I awesome. Can. So, you know, I had that growing up and it was, you know, really short. It was three seasons and, you know, I kind of watched it and then I put Avatar away in a drawer, mental drawer. And then yeah. when Korra came out, I had a lot of friends who also were fans of the original series and they were like, oh, okay, you got to watch this one. It's really awesome. And I guess I just, I missed the boat on it because I was wrapped up in my own head and my own troubles at that point. So I remember thinking, well, I could watch it, cause it but I don't want it to just be another escape especially since mm. the first series was so good. Mm -hmm. And so I actually made the conscious decision to not watch Korra when it was airing on TV. I was like, I'm sure it's going to come out on something and or I'll just yeah. buy it and I'll watch it later when I feel more capable emotionally and just like in confidently to be able to really take it in because I wanted a completely different experience from being a little kid and watching the original. So, yeah. Much to my friend's chagrin, no, we did not watch it together. So, I do not have memories of running home and watching Cora live. But I'm so glad I waited. And, you know, it's like later became later and later. And then eventually my friend was like, okay, this is getting ridiculous. She's like, I've read all the comics. <laughs> I've done all the stuff. She's like, I've gone to all the cons, met all yeah. the actors, cosplay. She's like, can you please just watch the damn show so you can come with me? She's like, you're going to love it. And I was like, no, I'm waiting for the right moment. I'm waiting for the right moment. And then the pandemic hit and I hit that like, let's get back into my heritage and let's own the shit out of it. And then it came out on uh, like Netflix. And then I was like, Oh, oh, is, is this is this the time? Am I finally going to like take a bite out of this forbidden pie that I've put away since it came out in 2014? I was like, should we do it? I was like, yes, we're doing it. So I was like, this is it just felt right in so many different ways that at this moment I was like, all right, I'm going to finally do it. So then I marathoned through core. I swear I did not sleep. I did the worst thing ever. I was still like working during the days and somehow I like stayed up all night and watched it. And so I finished it and like a week not even I don't even know we're gonna pretend that it was something reasonable but I finished <laughs> it and then yeah and then like I just I messaged all my friends and I was like oh my god you're right but I wanted to like engage in discussions with them about it because I was like but I'm coming at it from this really interesting time in my life you know I'm out of college I've developed a skill set I'm seeing parallels between my own path like out of college and I related to it so much and so that's actually like the day that I finished it is when I decided to write you because I was yeah. like, I was like, you know me. I was like, I don't I don't really care about Hollywood. That's not really my jam. And I was like, famous people just like are too busy, honestly. So but I was like, no, because I felt like so strongly about this journey that I was on and rediscovering myself. I was like, it's OK, even if she never reads it, I, I'll feel confident that I got the message out there because I was like, I just want to I just I just want to thank her. I just I just want to like tell whoever's the most accessible human who was a part of this show, thank you, um, because it really meant a lot. So that's when I just sat and then, you know, the rest of the story, I wrote like six pages, seven pages handwritten. That was not, I, it, I didn't think it was supposed to be that long, but um, 
<laughs> so so I like called my friend afterward and I think I debated for like a solid four hours with her on the phone. I was like, should I just type it? Because I think this would be a shorter email because then it, then I could pretend it's like, <laughs> like, like in a Word document. So it's like one page and it looks reasonable because yeah. I can like make the font smaller. So uh-huh. I was like, I want it to be all like cutesy and like it means more if you handwrite it. But now I'm like, it's like yeah. seven pages. Oh my God, she's going to think I'm like a crazy stalker person. And she was just like, no, it means it comes to the heart. She's like, whatever, you're using like paper. She's like, just do it. So then I was like, all right, whatever. You know what? It's fine. So sent that off. It lived. That was a great letter. What if I was like, and I wish I'd read it. But of course I didn't. No. Um, No, I mean, you know, because you heard from me. It was a a wonderful, one of the best fan letters I've ever gotten. Um, and, and it feels weird to say fan letter because that all, that feels like it puts a separation between you and me or between me and again, to your point, like, I don't, there's no difference there. It just happens that I ended up doing a thing that, that, that creates a scenario in which much to my chagrin, I don't know those people. I can't know them because I, I can't have, there's not, I haven't experienced them yet or what they're about. And that's kind of the hardest thing about doing stuff like this is that you sort of have to, I mean, I hate it. I hate when I meet a fan of the podcast that I clearly am, you know, will get along with. And they know too, there's, it's, it's just an information gap where it's like, oh shit, I, you know, all this stuff about me and I don't know anything about you, but I don't want that to feel like intimidating or a deterrent or a turnoff or whatever, because that defeats the whole purpose of the podcast. So it's this little kind of cycle that, you know, you just have to go, well, it doesn't that none of that matters. I mean, you know, yeah, you'll find that you'll find you'll find where you connect and the rest of that stuff sort of rolls out and takes care of itself. I mean, you know, I've I think I got lucky uh, in the sense that so my brother in law is actually a movie reviewer for The New York Times you might have heard of him. His name is A.O. Scott. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. So because he was like vaguely a person like of notoriety, yeah. um, I got to learn by observing kind of what he did and how he approached, because he would like interview like really famous people. I remember yeah. like I was visiting my sister and him. They live in uh, Brooklyn. So we were like, at a Nets game and he was like oh my god Jessica Chastain just followed me on Twitter he's like what do I uh, you know he's like wait no he's like no (laughs) so I got to learn from him kind of how he approached because there is this like wall that you were talking about about like how do you approach someone who is clearly more in the well-known sort of realm um and it's because it's awkward because it does put a wall between you and like other people and so I honestly just learned and watched how he went around about his business as people sort of knew him, but also him then interviewing people who were like A-listers yeah. in Hollywood. So yeah. honestly, at the end of the day, I feel like I got really lucky to learn from him because it. I just settled on, these are people. They want to be treated like people. It's not fun if you just yeah. run up to them and start saying everything you love about them and they're like overwhelmed. So I'm like, yeah. the fastest way to like establish just a good natural relationship where it's not creepy, it's not weird, and like it does break down those barriers is just talk to them like an actual freaking person. Uh-huh. That's what they'll appreciate most. Like for sure. You know, you're not going to sure. have to be best friends. Just talk normally. Um, for I see sure. Way it's, too many people uh, getting yeah. like nervous. You know, I'm like, why? Why are you getting nervous? Like, I understand. Like, well, you like yeah. the thing. But like, hopefully you should not be. Yes. Yeah. And even nerves are better than I mean, and I want I want to get back to you and I want to get into this mash game and all that good stuff. But um, but that just I don't know if I've ever brought this up on the podcast before, but um, 
but and I, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you would want me to tell. But anyway, one of the people that I'm friends with, blah, 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 who's very famous, um, you know, people will, will come up to him and they don't want to talk to him. They just want to take their picture with him. And sometimes it's because they think that's easier and faster. And I totally get that. I think you can sort of suss out when that's what's happening. But when someone comes up and is just like someone in my life likes you, can we take a picture? That's like. It's so impersonal and it turns that person into a com- like a commodity. And I think that's the most tiring thing about being famous. Isn't the person who wants to come up, even if they are nervous and says you you've meant so- your work has meant so much to me. Like, you know, I, I listen, if you're Tom Hanks, like, God bless you, because you are going to get that all the time every day and your day is going to stretch out and become like, I got one thing done out in public. Like, that's hard. That is hard. But I think the the worst thing must be people who they don't care. Like they it might as well be a, the, you in, in the wax museum. You know what I mean? Yeah. For like the photo moment. And and that was something that I observed him actually say to someone was like, um, well, hey, so you don't what you haven't even told me your name. Like there was just it was very clear, you know, and then that person left and, they, and he was like, you know, that that's my least favorite thing is when it, I, I don't matter to that person, but they want to brag that they took a picture with me and that's the only exchange they want. And it's clear that that that's the only value there. And like and that's the that's the worst part, you know, um, you so know, I, I, you know, I I'd never thought that like that would really apply to me. But then, you know, after like starting a podcast and then, you know, it's not like I'm, you know, big name or anything, but like there are people now on social media who'll be like, like recognizing either my voice or, you know, my face or sure. something. And so I was like, oh, actually, you know, I could apply that right to myself because it is yeah. something I have to keep in mind that I was like, oh, I didn't really think about that. Cause you know, I was like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm like this turtle. I'm this like vampire introverted person. Who, like, <laughs> I'm like, I if love, it was I up to me. Anybody who could call themselves both a turtle and a vampire is like amazing. Fact to fact. That's amazing. Just turtle vampire introvert person. My little turtle vampire. My vampire turtle. The blood sucking turtle. You know, if Fantastic. I could be, you know, if I could be a combination of animals, I'm like, or or supernatural creatures. I'm like, yeah, vampire turtle. There like, you go. I know. We got to pop you into whatever Avatar Studio is doing next in the form of a vampire turtle. I'm so here for it. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. The Beef and Dairy Network is a multi-award-winning comedy podcast here on Maximum Fun, and I would recommend you listen to it. But don't just take it from me. What do the listeners have to say? Would I recommend Beef and Dairy Network podcasts? Um, no, I don't think I would. Right, let me be very clear about this. Under no circumstances would I recommend this to anyone I've ever met. No, absolutely not. No, I couldn't. I feel quite sick thinking about the things I've heard. Please stop calling me. Please leave me alone. That's the Beef and Dairy Network podcast available at MaximumFun.org and at all good and some bad podcast platforms. Literally, just leave me alone. Um, okay, honey, I got to get into this mash game with you because uh, we're running out of time. Yes. And I there's so much we didn't talk about specific to your high school experience because you have a big a big capital B story that we ended up really um, talking about, which I think in the long run, I I mean, I, I just love that you shared that. And I think that's like uh, that's just as valuable, perhaps more valuable than me asking you what bands you were listening to. You know, it's it's totally fine. 
And I personally find that more interesting about myself anyway, because let's be real. I had a very conventional high school experience. Like, I was like, honestly, if people expecting high school want the recap, it's I loved my high school. I loved everyone. I had a group of friends. <laughs> you know, I wasn't like super popular, but I wasn't like an outcast. It was fine. I graduated and then I moved on. Perfectly yeah, normal. There you go. I mean, I guess we only needed 30 seconds to do this puck now. Um, okay. Well, this is what I was thinking is we could sort of um, shoehorn some of that stuff into this MASH game because that's always a fun way to let out a few more facts. Sure. So get to get into the gaming, let's do three games. Did you start gaming in high school? Uh, a little before then, actually. Okay. So when you're in high school, give me three games that you would want to be, you would have wanted to be able to, and hopefully for nostalgia's sake, if nothing else, you would still want to jump into and sort of be in and and, and that world were, were real in oh, some man. way. That, but you're also safe. Okay. Well, I was a nerd. So when I was gaming... There, there was this really old game called like Pharaoh, where you would like build your own like ancient Egyptian civilization, kind of, and and sort of like Let's rule see how that it. would appeal to you. Yeah. So just okay. for like nostalgia's sake, I'm gonna go yeah. with that one. Um, Great. You know, I played a lot of Sims too, like so much that my parents would come in and like confiscate my computer because uh-huh. they would see the light on from under my door at you yeah. know all hours. Yep. So Sims 2, definitely, because I would also just like make my characters rich and have the biggest mansion. Uh So if I could just slide in, (laughs) perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Oh, what else was I playing at that age? Um, Okay, well, if nothing, okay, is is anything going to happen to me if I go into this game? No, no, you're safe. You're safe. Because there was this, I love sharks. If there's one thing to remember about me, it's I love sharks. Shark Week, live every week like a Shark Week is basically. <laughs> and like I'm a vampire the motto turtle <laughs> of my life. So there was. I mean, a... I think sh- some sharks are basically vampire turtles. So it's cool. It actually makes sense. exactly. So there was this great, great game. Talk about retro. It was called Jaws Unleashed, where you oh were the God. shark and you just like Whoa. literally control the shark. And like the point of the game was you try to go bite and like knock over like yachts and stuff. <laughs> and so I would just play that and be this like huge shark and be like, this is the <laughs> coolest thing ever. So I'd be in Jaws Unleashed then. Amazing. Amazing. That feels like a good, like weird uh like a therapy that could also go totally awry for someone who is afraid of sharks. Like, no, no, we're going to give you the shark's perspective. And then like that either goes well or it goes poorly in any number of ways, in any number of ways. It makes you more afraid. It makes you weirdly aggressive. Like there's all kinds of stuff. But that's awesome. I totally would have played that game. No question. I think it's uh, okay. still around it's still there. or there's like a newer version of it that you can sort yeah. of play. So I can Jaws try to find unleashed. it. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next category. Let's do, uh, I mean, why don't we just go ahead and do it? Uh, bending powers. So I am always in forever. I mean, like earth. I mean, come on. That's. I, I've got my like badger mole shirt on. I don't know if you can tell. I know it's a great badger so. mole. I knew I could. I knew it was going to be avatar based, and I assumed it was Earth because it's uh, olive green. But I couldn't <laughs> see what the shape was. I could only see like the first few curly cues at the top. But fantastic. Yeah, I mean Earth I have just. Cora, let's see. I have my Cora sweatshirt on. Oh yes, look at that. Perfect representation. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh man. You know it's it's so it's so hard because. 
I would always just tell friends, if I can't be the Avatar, I would totally be the world's greatest earthbender. No disrespect to Toph. Yeah. I love her. But well, I'm going to put Avatar in as a second. Why not? Okay. Why not? Give me the powers of the Avatar. So that only leaves you with one now that you have to pick. So you have to choose between three other elements, basically. Oh, man. Oh, man. I mean, but now it's getting into like, there's the sub-bending fields where I'm like, I mean, I can't just pick metal. That's boring. I'm not, I'm not going to pick metal because that is... I'm going to assume if I could bend earth, I'll bend metal. I yeah. guess my second would be like fire bending. I guess I really, there's something right. I like about fire bending. <laughs> I guess. Like it I suits my it personality. Forced. Yeah. It's like it, <laughs> right. Friends would say that suits my personality more than earth. Although I don't know, I can be pretty yeah. stubborn. So I'm I next. don't know. I love, that's another thing I love so much is I always feel like it's hard to have the conversation for me without wanting to overcomplicate it, especially on Braving the Elements, because while that you would think that would be like the perfect place to overcomplicate it by the end and when we're asking guests, it's kind of a bad time to overcomplicate it. But I do always feel like there's like three versions of that question, you know, and I think people who are into sorting houses and stuff like that, like sorting hats, sorting houses uh, between and Harry Potter get it. But like it is like it's like, what do you wish you were? What do you feel you are and what do your friends feel you are? Because that is not necessarily going to be one and the same. Those three might be wildly different things, you know? Yeah, but bending is like the weird one because when I tell people like what my Harry Potter house and I am a Ravenclaw, people are like, oh my God, that makes sense for you. They were like, of course, you couldn't be anything other than a Ravenclaw. But it's like for bending, though, they're just like, you know, but you're. Like what you think you are, that's not what we think you are. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I guess that's yeah. like the weird one, but it's fair. I think it's. I think that's so interesting. And I've taken three different Harry Potter tests, and I've gotten three different answers. But when I tell people that, they're like, I know, but you played an avatar, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, okay, next category. Let's do food. Let's do three foods. You know the the rule. Uh, it could be ecologically maybe not great, but in this universe, we're changing all of that and it can still be cheeseburgers or whatever. And Or it could be allergy or it could be just this one thing you've had once and you wish you could have it the snap of your fingers. Three. Oh, man. See, as a foodie, this is so hard because I'm, I'm trying desperately to eliminate like entire food, like like intense cultural meals, uh, you know, being uh-huh. in Greece. I'm just like, I'm uh-huh. like picturing these great <laughs> Greek meals. I'm like, okay, I'll try to make it simpler. Uh, um, oh, what do I, lo- okay, I guess, can I combine my favorite meal together, steak and mashed potatoes? Cause like, that's yeah, always together, always together. Yeah. Like you can't, yeah. So I can't separate steak great. and mashed potatoes. I'm comfortable with that. <sighs> you know what? I, I used to have a sweet tooth when I was little and my favorite candy to this day is still Twizzlers. But like, you know, I want to go something a little more unconventional. And let's just say goldfish because those are freaking addicting. Oh, yeah. They're like so sweet. addicting. Oh, no, wait. Like cracker? Yes. Like cracker goldfish? Like the okay, cracker great. goldfish. They're so addicting yeah. because I always see like a pile and I'm like, okay, I could just have one handful and I'm fine. And then, you know, 10 handfuls later, I'm like, this was a mistake. For sure. For sure. Uh, okay. So goldfish and then, ooh. <sighs> You know, I had this really great baguette the other day, like, oh, the perfect French baguette. It was almost like out of the movie Ratatouille, you know, where they're like, how do you you spot a good bread? It's by the sound of the, like the crinkle. And then, you know, you crack it and you're like, oh yeah, that's Yeah. Just give me baguettes all day. Oh my God. Absolutely. Okay. Beautiful. Uh, Okay. Next category. Let's do three. Let's do three characters from Avatar or Korra that we can sort of pull out of those worlds and they can be your buddy. 
Oh man. Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> that's so hard. So this is the, the midterm part of oh. the. I guess it's more of a final exam. Yeah, the final exam. I'm like, well, okay. Classic answer, Uncle Iroh, because I mean, I I love tea. I am a huge tea drinker. I don't actually drink coffee, so I'm like, I I would just need to share teas with Iroh all the time. Yes. But he would be happy about it because he loves tea. He would be very happy. So, okay, definitely. That's definitely. All right. So I'm like, so now I got my like wise one who yeah. provides me with wisdom. I feel like, oh God, it's like between like Sokka and Bolin because I just want a funny somebody to keep me laughing yes. all the time. Oh, I think Sokka's going to get the edge though. Great. Because we'd be drinking cactus well. juice together, I swear that that's that that's what we'd yeah. be doing. So well, Saka Saka has that sarcastic edge that Bolin Bolin is. I mean, I love Bolin. I don't know. I I might choose Bolin, but it's because I'm more. I like feel I bring the Saka. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. o- so only because of that. But uh, but it's you know having it, his it balances having you out. his kind of twisted sarcasm is a little bit different than than Bolin is not that he's more guileless you know yeah. he's more just like he loves everybody the problem is that I I now love Jack DeSena almost as much as I love PJ and so it feels like a crushing blow because they both have a lot of the qualities of those characters so I'm like yeah. no don't make me choose uh, okay great so I got Iroh I got Sokka <sighs> you know what I'm just gonna go with Toph because she might she's my girl like I, I love Toph she's my girl yeah love 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 okay Fabulous. Great. Okay. Next category. Let's do three alternate universe careers. Oh, Present man. day careers. Present because I'll day. give you a, I'll give you a, a spoiler, which is the next category will be like places that you can go back and see with your own eyes. Of course, I'm going to do that. Of course. Uh, for the major. But I didn't want I was afraid you would be like, wait, does it have to be like this era or could I have been uh, this during the ancient? And I'm, I'm, I'm like, no, no. Present day ca- career because we're getting to the being able to spend time in a different time and place. OK, so it sounds so boring and conventional, but honestly, I would love to be a professor. But it, it like like dream career instead of te- like having to pick us like entrenched department or thing right if i could just be a professor on like perpetual like reception studies and like yeah like public outreach advocate for accessibility to the ancient world like that would be my sweet spot of can i just forever do the public advocacy thing and just talk about how amazing like the ancient world is and classics and all that stuff Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay, great. Oh, okay. So that's one. So, okay, two, I guess I'll give you my, like, my backup, backup dream of, like, ruling the world and being, like, the evil emperor. Not, I'm kidding. I wouldn't be the evil emperor, but (laughs) uh, I would, I wish to um, at least be some kind of president situation, prime minister, whatever, I'll take it. Um, Just because I'd want to go in and then I'd want to, like, dictate actually good policies because as someone who worked in government and saw how many disgustingly shitty policies and how it works I'm like I'm so disgusted I'm like I would know how to fix it Mm -hmm. yes we need this yes great oh man number three three, what would I do I guess if I had the skills because I mentioned I like I can't do math and tech things and like coding is just like something I'm never gonna do yeah. If I could be the person to like build the technology that does like VR 
ancient recreations of like the ancient world, ancient monuments. Yeah. I could be the one to code that in and then just be making like more than just like Minecraft stuff, but like actually make yeah. the stuff. Yes. Um, that would be, yeah, Love it. that's what I would do. Gorgeous. Okay, great. All right. You had it uh, in advance, three ancient worlds or three places in time that you can, uh, you're in a safety bubble, but you're going to see, smell, taste, like you can see you know, you can have as much exposure as you want. Listen, you might be walking down a street that has like a sewer ditch dig- dug in it. You can be like, I'm going to turn my sense of smell off right now. <laughs> oh, that I, I mean, two of these are quite easy. I mean, for one, ancient Greece during yeah. like the Peloponnesian War era. So that's, you know, five. You know what? And just say fifth century Greece, because that's when all the classical right. stuff is being built and Pericles. So. Yeah, 5th right. century ancient Greece. Um, I'm going to give some love to ancient Egypt because I wanted to be an Egyptologist when I was in 6th grade, and that's what got me yeah. started uh, on this uh, life-changing path of ancient world love. Um, love it. So, yeah, definitely ancient Egypt. You know what? I'm going to be a little controversial in that Egypt answer, though, and I'm going to say I want to go to the um, Amarna period because I want to talk to Akhenaten and just be like, yo, are you crazy or are you like... Uh-huh. Like, what's up? Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's great if I don't get hurt because, you know, he could totally just like order me executed. So that's great. Yeah. Um. Okay. And then the <laughs> last one, you know, I it's so hard because there's such great periods of history. Um. You know what? I'm going to go with uh, like ancient like Scotland and Ireland since they're both linked Like intrinsically do the great Celtic civilizations, you know, who made up these incredible Celtic myths? Because let me tell you, I don't think I've ever heard crazier myths than Celtic ones. I mean, there's my favorite death by cheese where this dude like (laughs) kills his competition by putting some cheese in a slingshot. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. (laughs) Like, I want to meet who came up with that story. (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing. Okay, great. All right, next one, uh, romance, sexy times, uh, characters, real people, any time, any era, cartoons, doesn't matter, three romantic interests. Oh, that's so hard because I always go back and forth on this question just like in my everyday life anyway. So, okay, yeah. I'm going to give some love to, and this is probably pretty unconventional. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say it the whole time I've been listening to your show. So I'm going to go with... Uh, Annabeth from the Percy Jackson series because she is like I just remember reading these books when I was in like high school and thinking oh my god she's like a combination of smart she's an action hero but like daughter of Athena like what is not to love so yeah yeah we're great no Annabeth. I've never heard that I guarantee you no one's ever said Annabeth great so I'm remember. gonna be the first I'm so proud nice so definitely Annabeth and Anyone who knows me or knows the books will know that's a perfect answer. Just saying. Um, okay. How do I top perfection? Ooh. Um, <laughs> this is so hard. Okay. You know what? I'm going to go bold and say um, there's that. Uh, oh, my God. Robert Pattinson. I, know, I, I hate the fact that I actually am using him because I try to stay away from big names. But the way he looked in the movie Water for Elephants he was just so oh, pretty okay. and you know, yeah. he's a young veterinarian student and he just was so like 
complete opposite of how he looked in Twilight. And so I appreciate it all the more because yeah, I totally get that. It's in in context too. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Robert Pattinson just from Water for Elephants. Um, And then, oh God, you know what? I'm going to hearken back to my high school days of when I was a freshman. That was the very beginning of like the renewed vampire trend because I was a freshman in 2009 and the Vampire Diaries had just started airing. And so that was our ritual. Get me some Stefan Salvatore, please. That is that is just what I want. Yes, please. Great, great, great. Awesome. Okay, perfect. All right. And then last one, let's do real life places now that we would can give you a vacation or just a second home. Doesn't have to be that you're on vacation. Uh, a second home somewhere, and we're gonna sort of teleport you there so you don't have to worry about the distance. Well, okay. Again, that's easy. So I studied in Ireland during college and felt completely in love with the people in the country. So, I mean, honestly, if I could just live anywhere now, yeah, I would spend the rest of my life in Ireland. Now, if I can pick like a fun place, I mean, it's not, it's an ancient castle. It's called Ashford Castle. It's like a hotel now, but like if I could just like buy Ashford Castle back and live in it, it's like perfect. So, where, where in Ireland is it? uh, Is it like near? Is it southern, northern? No, so it's on the it's on the west coast, so it's in the the province right. the oh my god, uh, what do they call them? Region Connacht. Uh, it's basically kind of between I think County Mayo and County Galway. It's somewhere like near there. I'm so sorry. Right. I'm just putting west coast, and in my mind, I yeah. I mean I've never been there, so oh. I have a vague sense of it based on based on like books and or television shows or movies like I could sort of place things like okay I just podcast Maeve Higgins so Cork is on my mind uh anyway okay uh great Ashford uh, Castle got Ashford it Ashford Castle more. yeah just it, it, it will do which by the way us. if you get an apartment I guess you'll just have an apartment nearby the castle but if you go to mansion you'll get the castle <laughs> okay that's fine that's fine the grounds are huge I will take even a uh, shot on okay, the grounds good. so fantastic it may come to that it may come uh, to that. okay so definitely Ireland oh I'm struggling okay I mean if I'm being honest like Greece because I mean I know I'm already here but as a classicist I feel duty bound to I spent god knows how many number of years of my life invested in studying Greece uh so but I will say my favorite place in Greece is actually the island of Naxos because it is not one of the more touristy ones you know it's not like a Santorini it's not a Mykonos it's not a party island it's like the yeah the big nice one where families go and it's just like the most calm, chill, amazing place. And um, my friend owns a horse stable there. And so I can go ride and, you know, help out. And so that's just my like idyllic rest of my life. That's awesome. Great. Uh, Where else would I want to live? Like, I don't, you know what? I know it's so cliche, but I spent a semester abroad in college in Scotland and you know what? I fell in love with Scotland as well. So I'm just. I don't know say that Scotland. that's that much of a cliche. I mean, if you said Paris, which, uh, by the way, I would be totally on board for because I love Paris. I would say that is the biggest. I mean, you know, that's the most common one. It's like Paris. that's true. But, um, that's true. So no, Scotland, so I'm going like to say Scotland. Um, I've always loved. You know, if I could just have like a house on Isle of Skye, I'd be so happy. Ugh, right. Like, that's. Oh my lord. That's the dream. You know, I spent an entire semester in Scotland and somehow managed to not go to Sky. So I'm pissed about it. Um, it's okay. I'll go back. But um, yes, you will go Sky. back. You absolutely will go back. 
Gorgeous. Okay. Wow, these are really good answers. I feel like I want all of these answers. So I'm nervous for you of what you're going to end up with. Uh, Give me a word that describes uh, how you felt when you woke up this morning. Discombobulated. Oh, my God. How dare you? (laughs) How even dare you? I'm sorry. First, I got to discombobulated. Okay. Unprecedented. Unprecedented. Enjoy vamping because you're going to have to tell people about the uh, further tell people about the Ozavandias project and further tell them about the podcast, Ancient Office Hours. I have 15. I've got to get through 15s of all. I am so sorry. You know, you just call me hilarious. Midterm. Sometimes when people say six, I sort of already I'm starting to kind of know what that means about what they're going to get. And I can promise you I have no idea what you're going to end up with because this is an unprecedented number. And great. Okay, so uh, I am pretty findable because I want to model basically being an uh, findable and accessible uh, academic. So I am on all the social medias at Lexi Henning, uh, but that's just my personal stuff. I'm pretty boring. I suppose you can go there for like pretty pictures of my adventures living in Greece for a year. So if you want that, you can find that. Um, otherwise, you can find my business, The Ozymandias Project, O-Z-Y-M-A-N-D-I-A-S, Ozymandias, just in case. But my business is findable on all the social medias under the Ozymandias Project. Uh, we're also on LinkedIn under that as a business. And I guess like the the short version is we are a company that started as a podcast wanting to educate people and make academia more accessible to everyone through kind of fun anecdotes, fun stories, learning about not only the research and all the different fields, but about the people who study it um, just to make them more relatable. And kind of from that, we decided that we were going to do multiple projects. So as I said earlier, we have our new publishing arm. So our little digital magazine is actually called Penix, P-N-Y-X, Penix Publishing. Um, So if you have anything to say about, you know, the ancient world, please submit something to us. Uh, you can find our submission guidelines on our website, Um, We would love to just get any cool mythology-related things. Uh, and then our other big project so far is our Archeogaming um, initiative. And basically what this is, is using video games set in the ancient world I hope to make short, fun, educational videos uh, basically talking about the history and the archaeology. And eventually, I hope to give them to teachers and put them in the classroom so that you can watch and learn. I mean, listen, this is all great. I have no doubt that all of that will come to fruition. And frankly, some of this feels like it could also happen based on everything that we've been talking about and everything that you just said. Um, There's some really nice stuff happening here. I feel like there are a lot of pairings that are happening nicely. Although, as I say that, I'm not totally sure what I mean. Well, I'll tell you, the reason that that initially uh, jumped out at me was that you have the ability to jump into the game Pharaoh whenever you want But maybe that's just some like light training for the fact that you can also go back to ancient Egypt and ask Amarna. Is Amarna? Amarna. Am I saying that right? Amarna. I thought so. And then I got scared because I was thinking of Aparna Nanchurla. And I was like, wait, am I saying (laughs) am I saying Amarna because it's like Aparna? But it is Amarna. Great. 
Yeah. Uh, I haven't forgotten everything I ever knew. Uh, okay, so I like that pairing, right? I mean, you have the sort of VR version and then you have the real life version. So fabulous on that. Here's another pairing for you. Uh, you, I guess, are an earthbender through and through because it has even come through in this MASH game. So not surprising also that you have your dear, dear buddy Toph alongside with you for yes. all of these adventures. Yes. Uh, I also want to say, again, from everything that you were just talking about, it's probably no surprise to people that you ended up with your dream professorial job of sort of being this advocate and being able to really welcome people into the uh, sort of circle of study that um, they might need that ambassador to take them into. So congratulations on that. Uh, that being said, you did get a mansion, but it's not Ashford Castle because it is a mansion on the Isle of Skye. Yes. And you're sharing perfect, flawless, delicious baguettes with the Robert Pattinson of Water for Elephants. I mean, that's not too bad right there. Oh, man. That's like a very successful MASH game. Oh, man. Oh, I don't think I would change anything. I guess the only thing I might change is, darn it, I wish it ended up with Annabeth, daughter of Athena. That just would have fit the whole <laughs> like thing. But it's fine. It's yeah. fine. It's yeah. Fine. Listen, the, this, as we know, this I say romance and sexy times. I do not say lifelong partner. So you can dump his ass whenever you feel like it and go chase down Annabeth. It's totally fine with me. Great. Lexi, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. I'm so glad we did it. Uh, I'm so impressed by you. And I hope people feel very inspired by all of the stuff that you have both going on and that, you know, you've sort of processed and gone through and, and come to continually new understandings about um, may that be a lesson to all of us in our own lives and inspiration, whether or not it has to do with our own genetic background or something entirely different. Like, uh, don't be afraid to revisit stuff time and again and see kind of how you come at it in a different way. Um, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Lexi. I will talk to you next time on the podcast. Bye. The show is produced by Julian Burrell and Christian Duenas. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.